Today, our show is sponsored by Nutrafol. 30 million women are impacted by weakened or thinning hair. If you are among them, know that you're not alone and there is a solution you can trust to deliver results. Thousands of women have taken back control of their hair with Nutrafol. Nutrafol offers targeted formulas for women that are clinically shown to improve hair growth and thickness with less shedding through all stages of life. Healthier hair growth takes time. You'll begin to experience thicker, stronger, faster growing hair in three to six months. In a clinical study, 86% of women reported improved hair growth after six months of use. Nutrafol is physician-formulated to be 100% drug-free. They use medical-grade botanicals in consistently effective doses so you get the most reliable results. And no matter your stage in life, they have a solution. Nutrafol women's formulation is ideal if you're experiencing thinning hair loss caused by stress, dieting, overstyling, or environmental toxins. Their other formula, Women's Balance, is for additional hormone support for those with thinning hair through menopause. You can grow thicker, healthier hair and support our show by going to Nutrafol.com and entering the promo code SELFIE to save $15 off your first month's subscription. This is their best offer anywhere, and it's only available to U.S. customers for a limited time. Plus, you get free shipping on every order. Get $15 off at Nutrafol.com. That's spelled N-U-T-R-A-F-O-L.com with the promo code SELFIE. Today's sponsor is EveryPlate. Initially, I thought meal kits had to be expensive, that they were kind of a splurge. But as it turns out, every plate is more affordable than groceries. Their quality ingredients come pre-portioned to help you save money and reduce food waste, you know, like the bag of spinach that I throw out every single week. You can skip the store and let every plate plan, shop, and deliver everything you need to cook a delicious meal at a consistently low price. For me, in the summer, I'd rather be out enjoying the sunshine than cooking. Every plate helps me do just that. Simple, stress-free recipes come together in just six steps and are ready in about 30 minutes or less. You can choose between 17 recipes that change every week and swap proteins and sides to your liking, so you can switch up dinner routines however you want. Every plate helps me experience more of my favorite things in life by saving me time and money, which means more money towards vacations, concerts, the list goes on. You can choose from classic plate, veggie plate, family plate, and easy plate preferences to serve up crowd-pleasing meals night after night. Try every plate for just $1.79 per meal by going to everyplate.com and entering the code SELFIE179. Again, that's $1.79 per meal at everyplate.com with the code SELFIE179. Hey everyone, I'm Kristen Howerton, a writer and a psychotherapist. And I'm Rue Powell, an admitted workaholic and self-care Luddite. And you are listening to Selfie, a weekly podcast about women learning to take better care of themselves. We think self-care is important, but it can simultaneously be elusive. We don't lack information about it, but we don't always quite get there. So this podcast is dedicated to exploring different aspects of self-care, from the silly to the serious. We're looking at health, relationships, beauty, periods, and maybe a touch of the random. We also want to look at the hurdles we face that keep us from caring for ourselves like we should. To submit questions to me or Rue, or to Claire, our beauty expert, or BJ, our resident therapist, join us in our private forum by searching Selfie Podcast Community on Facebook. Hey guys, well today we are going to be talking with Lauren Elman. She is the author of a new book called BRB, a memoir about coming of age in the digital age. She has been exploring on her own podcast, the intersection between social media and anxiety. And I know that's a topic that we have talked about quite a bit as well. So she and I had a very interesting conversation on the topic. 
um, that was illuminating to me. Um, and then BJ and I are going to be talking about a question that was brought up in the selfie Facebook group, which if you are not a part of, you should join. It is a fantastic place to ask for questions on everything from beauty stuff to relationship stuff. But a few people were asking, how do I know if I have adult ADHD or ADD? So we're going to be talking about that. But first, I'm going to be chatting with Rue. Hey, Rue. Hey, Kristen, how are you? How's your self-care going? <laughs> well, um, I was able to get the vaccine. Um, Whoa. Yes, um, because I'm a licensed therapist and have been back in practice for a bit. So I... I have to say, um, I feel like it has really improved my self-care. <laughs> like, it just really reduced my anxiety. And I know it's not, you know, I know it's that me being vaccinated when so many people are still waiting, you know, is not the end of COVID. Um, and I know that, you know, we are still a little unclear on whether or not people with the vaccine could still spread it to others. So I'm still obviously wearing a mask and doing all of that. But my own anxiety about my own illness, if if I were to catch COVID, is drastically reduced. And that feels like a really big weight off. Yeah, that's great. Uh, yeah. Did you did you have side effects? I did have side effects. Yeah. And I would actually love to talk about those to kind of normalize it. So I had the Johnson uh, – no, I had Pfizer, which mm -hmm. was a two-shot. And it's two shots within three weeks of each other. Um, the first shot, I just had the sore arm. My arm was really sore, like crazy sore, more than a sh more than any vaccine that I've had. Um, but then the second shot, um, I was really tired for like four days, just mm. crazy tired, like where the whole day your whole body is just telling you to lay down. So I did have I did have some side effects from it. But all in all, glad that you did it, of course. So glad I did it. Oh, Good. so glad. I mean, it was great. I was able to actually get it done on the same day as another friend who's also a therapist. And so, you know, and she's a very good friend. And so it just felt really meaningful. And we cried and, you know, yeah. Um, it's, it feels really good. I mean, it feels hopeful, you know, and, and hopefully me getting it can make, you know, other people feel more hopeful. Although I do know, you know, there's, it's tough because I think, Seeing other people get their vaccine is a double-edged sword because I think it can feel hopeful, but I've also seen a lot of people expressing like, okay, we see, we get it. The rest of us are waiting. Shut up about it already. No, you know? I mean, I don't oh, – so it's interesting. So my No, I've partner... like literally seen people say that. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah, two people. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's awful. Well, I, I get it, though. I mean, it's and, and it's just going to get worse as people are waiting, you know, because people, you know, this is something that, you know, if you're the one getting the vaccine, it's it's kind of a game changer. It's something you've probably been waiting on for a year. You know, it's this miracle of science you've been waiting on. But if you're the person waiting, it can feel a little bit frustrating because there's oh, not I, like I a see. clear you know, there's not a clear time. And so it's like watching everybody go to a party that you're not invited to yet. Right. I, get I mean, it. I, I, I think I'm less excited about m me getting the vaccine personally, and more excited about herd immunity. You know, like, I yes. feel like we're not gonna, I'm, I'm not gonna breathe easily until a, no. a certain amount has. Yeah. I mean, I feel I feel that too. But because I do really suffer from health anxiety, 
Mm-hmm. I also just feel a lot of relief for myself. So for mine, it's like a little bit myopic. Um, but yes, I feel the same way. It's kind of like, okay, this is great, but my, my kids aren't vaccined and, you know, like we, you know, we're still, we're still in a pandemic. Very much right. so. Well, I'm glad you got it. And yeah. I hope that more people go, um, as more people get it, we all sort of collectively feel less anxiety. Me too. Me too. And I am just, Personally, I'm just grateful for anyone who gets it because anyone who gets it is one less person who can spread it. That's right. Well, um, how about you? Well, I am working on this new – so this new work project started, which I – hate to be the kind of person that says, hey, I can't tell you guys about it yet, but I can't. Um, <laughs> but, but it is, r- I, I do know what it is. Yeah, it is pretty exciting. It is really exciting. Yeah. Um, but it's also all consuming. Mm-hmm. So and I'm, I actually have to be, um, you know, mostly away from home for it. Very, very, um, very, very like stringent COVID protocols. I am getting tested three times a week right now. Oh wow! Um, yeah, so it's I'm I'm getting my cheek swabbed and my brain poked you know, a few times a week, <laughs> um, and I'm really really excited about it. I feel really passionate about it, but it is just all consuming. Um, so I think right now. Uh, we kind of just wrapped the first week of work, um, and. I think now that I am, I have a couple days off, I'm thinking about how to get new systems in place. But for me, transition is hard. Like if I'm used to, you know, waking up at 530 and doing this and doing that and going to bed and um, doing stuff with the kids and, and then everything changes. It's like I have to shift everything in my life. Like every puzzle piece mm-hmm. no longer fits. And so I need to recreate that puzzle. So I um, – Today I am tired <laughs> and overwhelmed, but I am also excited and I just need, like, I just need someone to, even if there was a person who walked in and said, what can I do? I still have to think mm-hmm. and figure out yeah. what I need. Does yeah. that make sense? I'm in that oh, moment right now. Do. Yeah. Yes. That's hard. That's hard when you can't even, you don't even, you're so overwhelmed, you don't even know how anyone could help you. Right. Like there, like this morning I was, I, uh, I'm thinking about the list of things I have to do and I just decided to clean the kitchen counter. Not because it's even on my list of things to do, but it's something that I could do. You know, like now the kitchen <laughs> counter is clean, um, which well, maybe wasn't the funny. best use There's, of time. There is an old book. I don't know. I mean, I'm older than you, but there was a book that was really popular. Um, I think it was called The Fly Lady and it was popular amongst evangelical yes. women. Do you remember that one? Yes. And her it was this- whole thing was when you're overwhelmed, clean the sink. Right, right. So she had this website and what yes. was what it was always it felt so ironic to me is that she's preaching about cleaning and organization uh-huh. and uh-huh. her website was like uh-huh. every font explosion. It was painful I to I look at. I knew what you're going to say when you said, when you started talking about that. Yes, her her it was like website of chaos. And I think fly like, like I, I want to say it had nothing to do with flies. Fly No. I think it was an acronym. Yeah. And it was probably something like fully loving yourself, but I don't think that's quite right. I, I, mean, I don't she know. She was a little judgy. She was like harsh on like, you know, clean your house or, you, or you're maybe not a good wife. <laughs> well, I liked, you know what she said? Uh, she said, um, and, and this is, this is, you know, previous to being diagnosed with ADHD and OCD is that she said, you know, you are not, perhaps you're not good at keeping your house organized or your systems in place because you were raised to be a perfectionist. So if you can't do it all, if you mm-hmm. can't do it perfectly, you won't do it at all. Mm-hmm. And I remember, 
because of course I signed up for the emails. I rem- <laughs> so did I. <laughs> I remember open. By the way, and then those emails. There were like five emails a day. Like she was destroying yes. our inboxes. Um, this woman who is anti clutter. Um, I remember reading that email and crying because it was like, wow, am I normal? Anyway. Hmm. Um, but yeah, wow, what a throwback. You just unlocked a memory. <laughs> it just, I know, it made me think of that. But I think I, to, I mean, to her point, you, that was good self-care is that you just focused on one thing you could control in your, sure. in your house. I Do you think that website's still alive? Is it? <laughs> can I check? Hold on. I don't see if it's still alive. <laughs> We're both alive. totally typing right now. <laughs> oh my gosh. Is it it's still here. There? Yes, and it's the still website, bad. it's still Rude. chaotic. It's still bad. How is it still oh. so bad? This thing looks like it was made by GeoCities. The same, I mean, a bless her, because she's very clearly, like, helping women. But it is, it is really, I mean, it's, it, yes, it's still bad, but would you really want her to change it? Like, right now, I'm being, mm. I'm overwhelmed with nostalgia. <laughs> I am not. I'm uncomfortable and I really want her to change it. Like I all I will volunteer to fix her site. I mean, we can't have you know what this looks like, Rue? <laughs> and I, I know you will know this niche too. This looks like it was all of these graphics were made by the church secretary <laughs> at like a small church. Like this is these are the graphics for the women's ministry that goes yes. up on the overhead projector. Yes. There's a wow. Women's Day Women weekend. of Worth. Yes, mm-hmm. that's right. That's right. That's what these um, graphics look like. Yeah, yeah, that is very niche, but 100% <laughs> accurate. <laughs> oh, bless her heart. Oh, I well, I mean, if, if her thing wasn't simplifying, like literally the first like article is, are you living in chaos? But then this website is chaotic. <laughs> it is, it is. It is really chaotic, but I mean, oh, and look, instead of highlights, it says fly lights. That's cute. Okay, well. I don't know. I'm, I find it, at this point, I find it endearing. Oh, wait, copyright 2001 to 2000. Like, it's, this has been around since 2001. I, guess I don't think tracks. she's, I don't think she has updated this website one single time since look, then. That logo is exactly the same. It is exactly the same. That logo is now burned into my brain. And it's a terrible logo also. It's. A lady with purple hair with angel wings, and it looks like she's holding a gun in one hand. <laughs> what, what is that? Is it a fishing pole? No, what is that? Maybe. Oh, yeah, man. okay. It doesn't really entirely make sense. Hole here. <laughs> <laughs> For anyone wanting to join us, it's flylady.net. Oh my gosh, I didn't realize she had so many books. She I has Chaos either. to Clean. Hold on, I'm going to read this to you because I think this is very important. Chaos to Clean in 31 Easy Baby Steps, Sink Reflections, Body Clutter, Body Clutter Control Journal. I have no idea what that means. Um, up Kind of Day, Saving Dinner, Saving Dinner the Low Carb Way, Saving Dinner Basics, and Free to Be Me. You know, I hope she's rolling in cash. I Yeah, I hope she is raking it in right now. I, I really do. She should be. Right. Yeah, I mean, she had her own like branded. I remember timer and oh, yeah. mops and. Yeah. Well, good for her. Anyway, you know, I'm so sorry for interrupting you. It, you're overwhelmed, and I'm no, like, no, 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 no. I actually, website. I think this cured me. I think okay. I'm better now. <laughs> you're welcome. <laughs> well, what's on your two thumbs up for the week? Okay, um, one is I found the um, this coffee syrup. So you know, like when you go to Starbucks and they put the you know pumps of syrup in. Yeah, I, but you don't drink coffee. 
I do so I do drink coffee sometimes. I never drink it um caffeinated, but I do sometimes drink I have an espresso machine that I, I really like that. I like mm. an espresso. Um in fact I buy and I do sometimes go to Starbucks and get like an iced coffee. Um, but I like it stupid sweet and flavored, like mm-hmm. a basic bitch. Um so anyway, this allows me to flavor my coffee at home. So it's they're called Jordan's Skinny Classics, and um, there is a trio that comes with um, sugar-free salted caramel, sugar-free vanilla, and um, I can't remember what the other one is. Um, I think it might be cin- like cinnamon dolce, like the mm-hmm. one at Starbucks. But anyway, you just pour a little bit into your coffee, and it just tastes like fancy, and they're no calorie. That's nice. It's a nice little treat once in a while. Yeah, and this during company the day. also has... The skinny mixes, they also have like um, alcohol mixers, you know, like you've probably seen them. I think they're in Target. Are, these aren't the same as like the skinny It's not margarita, the same as the skinny girl. Skinny, but, oh, right, right. Not the same as her, but I d- they're, they're very enjoyable to have at home. Uh, it makes you feel fancy when you're making your coffee. Oh, um, I like that. And then my other one is also a sweet food. <laughs> <laughs> my other one is also a treat. Um and talking about this is making me hungry. Okay. Um, a company sent me some cookies this week and <laughs> they're the best cookies I've ever had. And I'm not exaggerating. Oh my God. Okay. So the company is called Flower and Branch, but they make these adult cookies, um, that are adult cookies, m- like, like body parts. No. <laughs> I, I thought you were talking no, like a bachelorette party where everything's shaped like cookies. A, okay, okay. Uh, no, they. Oh, I'm just. I, I'm. I see it right now. Peanut butter cookie with white chocolate macadamia and a couple shots of rum. That's oh. the nutty butter. Um, and then they have a. Oh my gosh, my favorite one. The adult one was super fun, but they have one called the salty some some of a son of a bitch some bitch. <laughs> That's what they call it, <laughs> and it um is like toffee and butterscotch in the middle oh my god and they're really thick like i like my cookies dense but really chewy and thick Mm -hmm. and they're just that perfect texture but anyway they're very fancy and they're spendy very spendy oh my god yeah but they look so good well i think here's the nice thing about a spendy cookie right Mm -hmm. if you get a two dollar package of oreos you're eating those asleep at a clip Yes. Right? But if you're getting something like this, which is super spendy, but you have one cookie, and that's that's oh, like the most sure. indulgent thing you could do for the day. Yeah. No, they sent me a gift box, and I ate one cookie a day like it was like my appointment with my precious, you know, <laughs> like one a day. And I would like – I would cut it in half, and I would like eat half of it, and then later I would eat the other half. They were so good, and I was like – this was one of the, one of those things where I told the kids, I'm like, these are mine. Like, I'm not sharing these at all. No. <laughs> these are and, mommy's fancy and, cookies. And a fair. And then also get me these for Mother's Day. Yes. These would be a very good gift for anyone. Flower and branch. And they're in San Francisco. But just mm. a super cute company. And their presentation, you know, I mean, fonts are important. Hashtag fonts Yeah, their matter. branding is great. Their branding is really good. The fonts and the digital assets are very cute. All right, oh, and they're about- they're women they're women owned too. Yes, a, and yes. and uh, this week was international. That. We had International Women's Day this week, yes, so this is all very apropos. Yes, totally. What about you? Okay, I've got 
So I love a good comfort thing, whatever that might be. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, I've got this thing for mugs. Yeah. And I found this woman who makes uh, really neat ceramics. I think the art is really cool. And I bought one mug from her. So she has something called a comfort mug, which really just mm. appealed to me. Um, but then there's also this little cup and it has two little smiley faces on either side. And when work is really harrowing, there's just something... I don't know. I love holding something tangible. So <laughs> with this work project, I, you know, they have mugs there, but I want my own mug. Or they have <laughs> pens there, but I want my own pens. Yes, you know what I mean? So, I do. Um, I really like – I. she's also lovely to work with um, because I wanted a mug that looked a certain way. And so she was she, – you know, she oh, customized cool. it for me. Like yeah, custom made. Yeah. And so she has these little catch-alls or, you know, a tea set and – a little plate, and I think these would make a, a cute gift. And some of it is pricey because obviously it's handmade. Um, yeah. But some of it is, you know, like very reasonable for a handcrafted um, product. So I really like – it's E.E. Contos, and I will link to her shop in the show notes. Um, but, yeah, I think it's anything – anytime I can find something like whimsical and comforting, I feel I, – I get very excited. See, on the other end of the extreme, I this week, this very week, threw away every mismatched mug in my entire house and bought only white mugs from Crate and Barrel. And my daughter is like, you're the worst. <laughs> yeah, I mean <laughs> – Cosine, you kind of are. No, I know. I know. None of my mugs match, and I, I, I feel like that's the way God intended it. In my defense, we do Airbnb our house out. Okay, and I just felt like the mismatched. You know, I love Tom Holland mug next to every book one of my friends has written mugs next to. You know, I mean, it was you threw out India's Tom Holland mug. No, she took it she rescued three mugs (laughs) like literally cradling them and carried them to her room calling me a monster yeah no i'm still with her no i mean i do love i do love a mismatch mug i love i love finding like a kitschy vintage mug that like a kitschy vintage mug that may have been like it might have been like hallmark's mug of the year in 1982 like i love drinking out of that mug See, I don't. For some reason, that makes me feel like I used to work in an office and, you know, everyone brought a mug from home and it makes me feel like everything's mismatched and it just, I I don't know, it feels very like office to me. I want everything the same. Okay. And I threw away anything like I did. I threw away any plates that didn't match and everything looks like an Airbnb, which is my goal. Yeah, I mean, I think I think that's maybe the difference is that I kind of want to live in a really uh, well organized thrift shop. Yep, and I want my house to look like a hotel. Yeah. Okay. So <laughs> I mean, this tracks for both of us, yes, then I suppose it does. It does. Well, what else uh, do you have? So I have I have been finding that um, you know masks are great. Love masks. Masks they're saving lives. Yes. But sometimes I am like a moron about my masks and I just rip it off and like toss it in a coat pocket or like shove it on the car seat. And I'm just not great about it. So um, I found these mask cases online and they're cheap. They're on Amazon and they just, why have I not bought a mask case in this entire year? This makes so much sense. Why do I not have this? I've taught, like I'll just toss a mask in my open handbag with like receipts. You know what I mean? Like it's not, it's disgusting. And and then my mask will have like 
sand on it because there was also sand in my purse from the beach or something. <laughs> yeah. So I, um, I, I have been doing this because I like to use a KN95. And, yeah. um, even if, like, if you're going in and out somewhere, you're running an errand, I just feel a lot better having it there and not next to the cups and pens that are in my car console. <laughs> Yes. So, um, yes, get yourself a mask case. These are, okay. and, and these are, you know, cute. They just drop right into your bag and you call it a day. Okay. I really, really need these. I'm ordering them right now. All right. Well, we're going to take a break and talk about a sponsor. And then we're going to be back with Lauren Elman to be talking about anxiety and social media and the intersection of those two things. We talked a lot about skincare on the show and specifically tretinoin. If you're not familiar, it's a retinoid, which is an active vitamin A derivative that's used to improve the texture, tone, and appearance of the skin. Today's sponsor, Dear Brightly, has a product called Night Shift, and tretinoin is the active ingredient in Night Shift. This is the only FDA-approved retinoid for treating photoaging, which is premature skin aging due to long-term sun exposure. Tretinoin stimulates collagen production to prevent and treat signs of premature skin aging from years of sun damage, things like fine lines and wrinkles, dark spots, uneven skin tone, and big pores. Tretinoin can only be acquired through a prescription, but it's 20 times more potent than the -the over-the-counter retinol products. It's one of the most well-researched ingredients with over 50 years of research behind it for both acne and photoaging. I had a chance to try Night Shift, and I'm really liking it. I have the unfortunate experience of having both breakouts and wrinkles at the same time, and it's great for both. I have seen my fine lines decreasing. I've seen my skin tone looking better, and it feels really nice. If you've used an over-the-counter retinol before, you know it's really great, but a dermatology-grade retinoid is even better. Night Shift is their dermatologist-formulated serum that's tailored to your skin by doctors online. Dear Brightly works by you first of all starting by sharing your skin story with them, then a doctor evaluates your skin and your skin history. They then tailor your formula and write a prescription, if applicable, and your tailored serum will be delivered to you in the mail. It's super simple and easy. Head to www.dearbrightly.com and enter the promo code SELFIE to get 15% off your first order, which is their very best offer anywhere. That's S-E-L-F-I-E to get 15% off your first order at dearbrightly.com. So when I was a teen learning to shave my legs, my mom did not do me any favors by buying me really cheap disposable razors. If you grew up in as a teen in the 90s, you know the ones, and they left nicks and cuts all over me when I was trying to shave. So with two girls learning how to shave their legs right now, I am committed to making sure that they have good quality razors. Guys, I was probably well into my 30s before I realized the difference a quality razor makes. Today's sponsor is Athena Club. They have great razor kits that we have been using in our house for a couple months. The razor blades are awesome. They are surrounded by this water-activated serum that has shea butter and hyaluronic acid, so you get a silky smooth shave that actually leaves your skin soft and hydrated as opposed to stripped dry. And their blades are spaced out to let hair and shave cream pass through easily so you don't have to make a ton of passes going over and over the skin to remove the hair. Fewer passes means less irritation to your skin, which cuts down on razor burn and ingrown hairs. The razor kit is only $9 with free shipping, and it comes with two blades 
gray cartridges, a cute little magnetic hook for your shower storage, and your choice of a handle color. I personally chose the coral, but what I really like about it is they have a ton of different colors, black, white, pastel, neon. So if you have a big family like mine, everyone can have the razor in their own color so you don't get them confused. What I also love about Athena Club, you guys know I love automating things. You never have to worry about dull blades because they send refills on your schedule. You just choose how often you want them and they will send them automatically with free shipping. I would also highly recommend their cloud shave foam too. It's insanely thick and stays on while you shave so you don't have to reapply. It leaves your skin feeling very moisturized. It's really, really good. If you want to try a great quality razor that cuts down on the wastefulness of disposable razors, try Athena Club Razor Kit. You can get 20% off your first order at athenaclub.com with the promo code SELFIE. That's A-T-H-E-N-A-C-L-U-B.com with the promo code SELFIE for 20% off. We want to take a quick break to talk about one of our sponsors. In our Facebook community group, we talk a lot about eye creams. And Rue and I got the Total Eye Lift from our sponsor Clarence recently, and it is fantastic. It's a plant-based formula. It's fueled by ingredients of 94% natural origin. It has a combo of organic herangana extract and cassie flower wax, which gives a visible lifting and wrinkle smoothing effect. And it's packaged in a really nice, eco-friendly, airless bottle made of recycled glass. I'm a sucker for packaging, and this one is a good one. What I also really like about it is that it's an all-in-one. It does it all. It works on crow's feet, dark circles, and puffiness. It's also an anti-aging cream. You can take aim at a whole bunch of issues at once. I also have really sensitive eyes. I've talked about that before. And this one is suitable for all kinds of skin types, including us sensitive folks, even people who wear contacts. 80% of women who've tried it reported a visible eye lift in 60 seconds, and 86% noticed a visible difference in four weeks and visibly firmer skin. I can attest I've really noticed a difference as well. Discover more about Clarence products at clarensusa.com and get 10% off your purchase of Total Eye Lift with the code SELFIE10. That's clarensusa.com, C-L-A-R-I-N-S-U-S-A.com and get 10% off of the Total Eye Lift with the code SELFIE10. Today, I'm going to be chatting with Laura Elman. She is the author of a new book called BRB, a memoir about coming of age in the digital age. Lauren, thanks for joining us. Thank you for having me. So I want to read a little quote from your book that I felt like was a perfect intro to having you chatting with us on a self-care podcast. You said, self-care is the daily dedication to the self. We can't show up online until we commit to showing up for ourselves in person. We can't let algorithms know us better than we know ourselves. It's our responsibility to take care of ourselves and nurture that spark of essence inside so that we can better take care of those around us. And that just, it's like, I know that to be true, but the way that you put it, I just appreciated that so much, that idea of we really need to know ourselves and feel our feelings before we're showing up to social media. Mm. (laughs) Yeah, I found that to be true for myself. And it's not just with social media, it's for everything, you know, showing up as a parent, as a friend, as a a partner. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. So what was it that compelled you, you know, you're setting out to write a book, what was it compelled you like, I need to talk about this intersection of self care and anxiety and social media? 
Yeah, that's a great question. Um, I definitely didn't set out for that when I first <laughs> decided to, re- to write the book. I knew I had a book in me that I wanted to write, and I just couldn't really figure out what it was going to be about. And so shortly after I had my daughter, which was over three years ago now, I basically sat down with my laptop and took everything I could get my hands on that I had written in the past and put it all in one document. So that's writing from (laughs) high school, college, articles that I published when I first started, blogs I had written, like everything I had access to. I put it all in one Word document. It was like hundreds of pages. And I sat and read through every single thing and put notes in the margins of like what the common themes were. And lo and behold, for the past 10 plus years, this has been what I've been writing about. I've been writing about my experience as a millennial Mm -hmm. and how I've been navigating life and adulthood and decision making and all of that under the lens of social media and how it's affected my mental health. So that's kind of where the compass started for the book. And then I went from there. Isn't it funny how that stuff just kind of bubbles up and reveals itself? Mm -hmm. (laughs) When I wrote my book, I I thought I was writing, you know, a humor memoir about parenting. Mm. But as I was writing it, I'm like, this is kind of a book about anxiety. Like, I, I really can't get away from this topic. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It helps to know, like, what you've what you've been focused on this whole time. That uh, really helped me. I didn't know. But that really gave me a focus and a niche and allowed yeah. me to take control over the content I've been sharing. Absolutely. I want to quote something else from your book. You said, social sure. media is the ultimate gaslighter. <laughs> Talk to me about that. <laughs> um, yeah. I think that... We we forget that like we're interacting with artificial intelligence, right? right. So right. we forget that like there's something bigger than us out there that and it's smarter than us and it's yeah. ahead of us and faster than us and it's it's kind of like trying to convince us that maybe we're behind or we should be buying this thing or we should be doing what that person's doing. And it really can be confusing when you're using the algorithm to decide like what direction you should be going in. And it makes you feel less about yourself. It makes you feel bad. So I try to just keep that in mind that when I'm starting to feel those things, I'm like, okay, I'm not going to let the gaslighter control me. (laughs) I'm Mm going to get back on track and make all these decisions and opinions about myself on my own first. So that when they come at me and I start feeling like, oh my God, I should have better makeup or I should be farther along in my career, I hear it in a different way in my head. And I'm like, no, no, that's them talking, not me. What do I think about myself? What do I think about my career and my choices and my makeup? Mm -hmm. And then I go from there. Yeah, it's so hard to stay cognizant of the fact that we're being Mm -hmm. served everything through an algorithm. Like none of this is really organic anymore. It might have been back when Facebook, Mm -hmm. remember when like you went on and it was actually in chronological order. That (laughs) time is gone. You know, every single TikTok, Instagram, Facebook, all of it is being served based on something computer learning is saying we're we're supposed to be served. It's not organic. And it's it's really wild when you really think about you, like as you said that, you know, an AI is serving us what we're seeing. Yeah, we have to be what I say like vigilant gatekeepers yeah. of what we're consuming. Yeah. Absolutely, cuz if you really <laughs> I mean, I it happened to me. I'll I'll give an example mm-hmm. um, back in the primaries. Um, I was an Elizabeth Warren fan. Mm-hmm. I was sure that the whole world 
is going to vote for Elizabeth Warren. Why? Because that's what my Facebook algorithm showed me, right? Mm. That's what my echo chamber showed me because I was liking those posts. I had friends who, and so Facebook said, we'll give her more Elizabeth Warren content. <laughs> and, you know, she she didn't win even even close. Yeah. And, you know, that was to me, that was an example of like, wow, I really bought what I was being served. And I can see where, you know, people start believing things based on, you know, and if an, a shared affinity and this algorithm giving them more of what they're liking. And it's, it's frightening how your yeah. reality can be skewed. Yeah, that's a very good example. Because just like it happened to you, you know, that everyone else you're interacting with, their echo chamber is doing the exact oh, same right. thing. And it's just as smart and just as tight. And it's giving right. them everything they already believe. Yes. And so it's really hard to to talk to people. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and it's almost you, like we have different realities. And if you don't know about the algorithm, I mean, when, you know, so then when Elizabeth Warren, you know, did not even come close to winning the primary, <laughs> rather than me saying, oh, my gosh, there was a conspiracy or, you know, mm. it was voter fraud, I could go, oh, I know about the algorithms and, and I see where I was led astray. But right. if you don't really know about that, if you're not an informed consumer of social media, you can make all kinds of assumptions, you know, yeah. of reality if you yeah. don't know. That's exactly it. So these conversations, I feel like that's why I get on my soapbox as much as I can. Yeah. Like I want to scream from the rooftops, like, let's like pull the curtains back and see what's going on back there and yeah. and look at all the wires and where they're heading. And, and then we can all work together instead of like screaming at each other about what's going on on our news feeds. Absolutely. You talked about the fact that social media ultimately targets our insecurities. I mean, that, you know, it's, it's an age old <laughs> marketing scheme that, you know, if we can show people what they're missing, they'll buy what we're offering. Um, talk to me more about that. Sure. I mean, I guess that's like another example of how it works as like kind of like an abusive partner mm -hmm. or like mm -hmm. a gaslighter <laughs> yeah. um, that they kind of know what buttons to press. And I mean, I my background is in advertising. I studied it like it's a science. There are people sitting around a table figuring out how to make you feel bad about yourself so that you can buy stuff. I mean, in more t words than that, but that's essentially what's happening. So that's what I noticed the more I got, like, I was starting to feel, like, really sick using social media. Like, mm -hmm. I was just feeling my mental health was taking such a downswing. And it wasn't just social media, but it was certainly not helping. So it was when it kind of came to a head when I was pregnant. And I was like, you know what? I need to take the reins on this and take control of it or else it's, like, I don't want to have a baby and still be dealing with this problem. So I just deleted everything. I had a business where I was teaching people how to use social media. I closed mm -hmm. it down. Like everything mm -hmm. just kind of stopped. And I was like, I need to figure this out. And I had no intention of signing back on. But while I was off, it was about a year. I realized like it's not social media itself. Uh -huh. It's my relationship with it that was toxic. Yeah. And I feel like that could be said for, for most things, like in a, in a bad partnership or if you feel someone's like bullying you, like it, like they're not the problem. Like they're not making you feel insecure. Like they're actively trying to maybe, but mm -hmm. like you end up 
like you believe them because a little part of yourself believes it. Mm -hmm. So kind of like that whole going back to the idea of working on yourself, really knowing yourself, knowing what's true. And it's a daily practice. Like it's always having to like strengthen that muscle of I know I'm worthy. I know I'm good enough. I know I'm doing my best. And so when it comes and tries to trigger my insecurities and I feel it for a second, I'm like, oh, wait, that's not true. Like, or wait, why do I believe that? Let me work on that instead of like social media is the devil and I need to delete it because we're never going to get away from it. Like as much as we try to, like we do need it in some ways and it is beneficial and valuable. So finding the balance is a lot of the responsibility, unfortunately, does fall on us as the consumers to have a healthy relationship with it because they're not trying to help us have a healthy relationship with it. No, no. I mean, quite the opposite. They're absolutely (laughs) wanting us to keep scrolling and keep scrolling and keep, you know, uh, that's how it's all geared to keep us on those apps and away from our regular real life. Mm -hmm. Um, And you talked about that too, which I really appreciated just like recognizing the difference between real life and online life. How, how do we do that? Man, I mean, I think it's just, I, I liken it to kind of being sober almost. Like it's kind of like sobering up and realizing like, like when you see someone online and you notice that feeling in your inside yourself that you're feeling envious or questioning yourself or whatever, mm-hmm. like really constantly checking in and like asking yourself why and where, why did that trigger you? And just remembering that there's filters that things are posed, mm-hmm. that people are getting paid, that there is an entire iceberg that we don't know about behind these people's lives um and that it's not our job to know without what's going on behind them either like everyone has private individual lives but just remembering that there's so much to the story that we don't know um i think that helps to to remember that it's just a news feed like they're just it's just a fraction and real life is existing all around us in real time while we're scrolling Absolutely. I mean, it's like we're all comparing ourselves to the highlight reel of everyone else. We're not seeing the whole thing. And I mean, I'm sure you know this as well, but there are so many influencers whose feeds are absolutely curated. Mm -hmm. Like they have a makeup team and they have changed outfits multiple times to, and then they spread that, you know, they spread that photo shoot out over a week. So it looks like every single day their hair is perfectly blown out and their makeup is perfect. And, you know, in the mommy blogger space, I mean, I've known, I've known bloggers who've taken their kids to open houses and taken photos of themselves inside of a perfect open house, you know, that's not even their own. Like it's so much of it is fake. Yeah. I mean, I would, I would argue like most of it is. And that's why I started my podcast was to bring on those influencers and ask them about (laughs) the parts that aren't showing up. And they're happy to talk about it most of the time. Like Mm -hmm. they, they don't want to be part of the problem, Yeah, but they are working, they're taking advantage of opportunities, which they should, Like, but it is our job to, to pay attention. And I love hearing from them and hearing like those stories, like, yeah, I took my kids to an open house to get that photo. Mm -hmm. And then this brand paid me this much. And I got to put it in my kid's college fund. Like there's a whole story there. Yeah, there is. And I mean, I made my living doing that for a decade Mm -hmm. and you know, it's tricky. It's very tricky because what brands want that, you know, they don't want authenticity. They, they, want you to be selling the same, you know, perfect vision, making other people feel like they need something. 
Um, so it's, it's all really tricky. It's a tricky balance for influencers to walk. Um, something else that you said in your book that I, I loved this quote, you said, anxiety is the fear of losing control. Your brain tricks you into believing you can control everything outside yourself. And when that doesn't happen, spoiler alert, it never (laughs) does. You begin reacting out of fear. Mm. I just loved that. I, I deal with anxiety myself and I feel like that's such an apt description of it, that fear of losing control and this idea that that I struggle with every single day. I I have, you know, this is a daily practice for myself of reminding my brain, you can't control this. And like worrying about this will not change it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the control piece is definitely... like lives with my anxiety and, and fear. Like I noticed so much of my anxiety, like when you, so when I finally was diagnosed with anxiety and given a name, I started being Mm -hmm. able to like learn more about it, manage it and all that. And like, I've learned that the biggest piece is kind of digging as far down as you can to get to the root of all of this. Mm -hmm. And like the more I dig, the more everything is connected to just being afraid. Like I'm afraid of losing control. I'm afraid of what would happen. And that fear is just present constantly in my life. And my therapist helped me, you know, they do a lot of the question of like, okay, so what if that happens? Let's, let's play it out kind of thing. And like teaching my brain, like, cause I would even be scared to think about like what the worst case scenarios and stuff. So they would, tell me like, okay, tell me the worst case scenario, say it, what would happen? And nine times out of 10, like the, at the end of it, it's like, okay. And do you survive? And do you move on? Mm -hmm. Like, yeah, you can, Mm because you've done it already. And it's not half as bad as what you were imagining in your brain. And, and that helps a lot with that because there's no control and we, but we can control our fear and our reactions. And that's what we do have control over if, if any. So I really try to focus on that of like, te- like working on myself to react better and to show up better and all of that. Absolutely. And I do think that is such a good technique of like walking out that entire worry. Like what's the worst mm. possible thing that could happen? Is that even realistic? And could you survive if it did happen? Like mm-hmm. that is a, such a good practice for me as well. Um, and I know like some of us have, you know, what I like to call anxiety with a capital A where we we have a diagnosis, you know, <laughs> yeah. you know, we have a, an actual clinical disorder. But I think most people are dealing with anxiety with a lowercase a, you know, just yeah. the the daily anxiety of life. How do you feel like social media contributes to anxiety? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I mean, yeah, that's like a big premise of the book. But yeah. I basically... I think it's a mental illness that we don't have a name for yet. And Mm -hmm. I feel like in the coming decades, we'll, we'll have one for it. And it's definitely, you know, our brains are not evolved yet to, to filter this stuff. (laughs) Like we aren't there yet. So it's definitely affecting our brains in a way nobody prepared for and no one is kind of figuring out. But I do think that the constant bombardment of the of the noise online like it's Mm -hmm. just whether it's really beautiful amazing images and all the places in the world or it's like horrible scary news stories and all the people dying like it's all of it all at once Mm -hmm. all the time Mm -hmm. it's so consuming and when we're not vigilant and we're not paying attention to what we're consuming and we're not using social media intentionally 
it we we drown like of yeah. course we do like there's an of it, it makes total sense so i think that right now that drowning kind of manifests as this feeling of anxiety the fomo the the feeling of being stuck not good enough all of that and i think the conversation needs to steer in this direction and we talk about um you know building ourselves a life raft and how do we float on top of all the noise and still use all the good parts of social media but not let it drown us yeah i and i think that's such an important conversation because i do think when we talk about social media we tend to talk about you know the comparison game and mm-hmm. the the pull of the phone and all of those things are major issues but then when you really look at the neuroscience of what is it doing to our brain to have this mm. fire hose of information, even if it's good, even if, like you said, even if it's good news and good imagery, what's, how is it changing our brain to have this much input mm-hmm. in a given day? It's a lot. Yeah. We're not, we're not built for it. And we're there's not. definitely like a filter that needs like a coffee filter, right? Yes. <laughs> like we don't have it. It's not there. Yeah. And maybe it will be. And maybe as we evolve as humans, like it we will be evolving. Our brains will be evolving exponentially, like along with this technology. But we, I don't think we have yet. So I no. think that's why we all feel so, you know, helpless when it comes to it. Yeah, I do too. You talked in your book about, you know, you've kind of set up boundaries um, for your own social media use and for your own mental health. What do those boundaries look mm. like for you? Yeah, um, they, like on a good day, you know, when everything's <laughs> yes, going right. Ideally. <laughs> um, I, I don't check my phone in the morning mm-hmm. before getting my entire morning routine done. Yeah. Um, and that involves like, you know, getting out of bed, getting the kids ready, breakfast, taking mm-hmm. a, a morning walk, like really just getting my morning to myself and then opening up my phone. And then same in the evening, like once, you know, the day is done, dinner's done, I put my phone away, and I have family time, and my phone stays next to my bed, and I leave my phone next to my bed because I look at my baby's monitor with it, but mm-hmm. other than that, I don't go back on social media, mm-hmm. um, and I just close it off for the day. You know, that's on a good day. Yeah. I don't do that every day, <laughs> um, and when I yeah. don't, I know, and I'm like, yeah. Oh, okay, yeah, I know that's why maybe I'm feeling a little lethargic right now, or why I can't put my phone down, because I, I didn't do that, but that's one of them. Another thing that really helps me is putting my, keeping my phone on grayscale. Um, I've learned this actually through one of my podcast guests, but you, we don't realize like how overstimulated our brain is and like the dopamine receptors of seeing all these like gorgeous, bright colors. Mm -hmm. And it's just like overwhelming. And it also keeps us from uh, enjoying the bright, beautiful colors all around us. So we can see like the most vibrant, perfect sunset like 13 mm-hmm. of them in a row all over the world within like a th- tenth of a second. And then we'll look up at the sunset in front of us and it's super dull. But I've noticed that when I have my phone on grayscale, like everything around me just seems so much more in like HD. And yeah. that's been helpful. So there's like a shortcut you could do on your phone where you could like triple tap your lock screen and it can go gray and not mm-hmm. gray. Um, so I've been, that helps a lot. And then signing on with intention. So when I open up my phone, I try really hard to be like, okay, am I going on here to answer a message? Mm-hmm. Am I going on here to look for something educational or inspiring? Am I looking for a, a guest? Am I just trying to zone out right now because mm-hmm. I had a long day. If that's the case, I put a timer on 30 mm-hmm. minutes of zoning out. That's what I'm doing. And I don't judge myself, but yes. like just really being intentional and paying attention to like what you're doing with these apps, I think it offers a bit of control as opposed to just like 
because when you take time off the apps and like I do detoxes and I talk about them and I have like little guides on how to do it. And when I was off for like the year, you don't realize how many times a day you touch your phone to swipe your thumb up on it and find your Instagram app. It's crazy. So when it's not there, you notice. So it really, we don't, we don't know. We have no idea how much it's taking control over us. So just putting that boundary in place allows us to pause and be like, oh, wow. And we learn. We learn how it's how to work with it better. You know, when you're talking about like seeing all these gorgeous sunsets and then it sort of (laughs) muting in person, it makes me think of like, you know, if you've ever done a diet where Mm. you've gone off sugar, um, which I've done before, I'm not condoning, but you know, Mm -hmm. I I think everyone's had that experience of like, you've gone off sugar, you haven't had that like super, super sweet, almost false, you know, sweetness of sugar. Mm. And then you eat an apple or a watermelon or a fruit. And you're like, this is the most amazing dessert. Like, like (laughs) I could, you know, this is as good as chocolate cake. But when we're having sugar on a daily basis, it sort of dulls our taste buds to natural sweetness. And I, I, you know, I liken that to social media, because I think it's true. It's like when we're indulging it when we're on it all the time, it really does dull our senses to what's around us. Oh, that's such a good example. That's perfect. Yeah. I've I've did a sugar diet myself and I know exactly <laughs> what you're talking about. Like you eat that first apple or the strawberry and you're like, whoa, like this is what real sugar tastes like. Yeah. And it's like, it should be like that. Like that's yeah. how our bodies were actually designed. <laughs> like- yeah. And then social media is just the treat that we can have every now and then mm-hmm. and enjoy it for what it is. And it's like that little cupcake you have mm-hmm. at the party. Cool. And then when you overdo it, you feel sick and you yeah, know why. And totally. you're paying attention. You're like, oh, yeah, I had too many cupcakes. Oh, I scrolled too much today. I'll make sure to take a break from it tomorrow and balance it out. And just paying attention the same way you do with, you know, like your diet, like you said. I really like how you also kind of delineate and name and claim, like, I'm going to spend time zoning out right now. Like, mm-hmm. that's what I'm choosing to do. Because I think, ultimately, we're all doing it all day long, but we're not being proactive in saying, this is what I'm doing. It's, Mm -hmm. as you said, it's reflexive. All of a sudden, you notice you've zoned out for 15 minutes. But I do think I'm trying to put that into practice as well of saying, like, I'm actually like this time I'm giving myself 20 minutes where I'm going to watch TikTok, like on purpose, (laughs) because I want to, and then I'm going to be done as opposed to just like in and out all day long. Yeah. And I think we like uh, shy away from that type of practice because there's all of this like shame and guilt around quote unquote laziness, which I don't believe in. I believe laziness is a construct. It's not a real thing. So like all of our worth is like weighted in our productivity. So when we- actively say like I'm gonna go be lazy right now we feel bad and useless Mm -hmm. and like like worthless but as I've unraveled my self-worth from my productivity I don't feel that guilt and shame around okay I need a break right now and I'm gonna take a break by doing this whether it's napping or zoning out or whatever and that really helps and it takes I mean it's so much deprogramming that I have to go through and that we all have to go through. But yeah, I really try to talk about that a lot because so many of us are stuck in that loop of like, oh my God, I have nothing to do right now. I'm doing something wrong. But like we need breaks. We need rest. Like that's how we get creative. That's how we come up with ideas. But then we like, we need to acknowledge when we're taking it and not Mm -hmm. be taking it as like, 
this diversion that we do all day Mm -hmm. long and then don't realize like we haven't completed anything. (laughs) Yeah. Like right now we just like mindlessly scroll as a distraction from this like big, you should be productive, like this like scary monster. But when you take control of it and you're like, no, like you have no control over me. Like I can be productive however, whenever I want. And then it's, it's not a guilty thing. It's so true. It's so true. This has been so helpful. Where can people find your book and where can people find you online? All right. Well, thank you so much. This was so fun. I will be honest and say that this is like the first time I'm getting to talk publicly about the book, like on a on a podcast and like you read the book, which is really cool. Like I've only <laughs> had like a handful of beta readers read it. And that's, it's just so cool to hear you like read quotes from it. Like I know that's going to be happening more, but <laughs> it's the first time. So it's very, very stimulating for me. So thank you. Yeah. Um, and the book will be out in May. I'm self-publishing um, and it'll be on Amazon and, and everywhere else. You can get it on Barnes and Nobles and independent bookstores and all of that. Um, but it's not uploaded yet. It will be uploaded in the next few weeks. But you can stay up to date on that and know exactly when it drops and how you can get your hands on it and all of that if you sign up for my newsletter. So I have a blog called mybrandofhappy.com, which can get linked, um, you know, in the show notes or wherever this is shared. And you'll see a pop-up or you'll see different spots on the blog where um, you can sign up for my newsletter. And I'll always do updates there. So I do an uh, email every Friday and it's kind of like my way to... Um, cultivate or curate all of the like good stuff that happened on the internet that might have missed us in the newsfeed. And like when social media is becoming a bit overwhelming, I created this email to just end our week off on a more brighter, positive note. So um, you can sign up for that. You'll get an email every Friday and it'll include any updates about the book and who's coming on the podcast that week and all of that. Um, other than that, you can just hang out with me on Instagram. I'm there all the time. I love it there now. <laughs> and um, my name, my handle is just my name with an underscore. So Lauren Alman underscore. And um, of course, my podcast, it's called Perfect Podcast. And it's P-E-R-F-C-K-E-D. It's everywhere you listen to podcasts and it's out every Friday. And I talk, like I said, to different people who are influencers and content creators and ask them to share the parts of their life that don't come up online. And we talk about the intersection of mental health and social media. We hear from from their perspective how social media has impacted their lives and mental health. And it's really enlightening and it, it inspires everyone to kind of what I've seen in the four seasons so far is that listeners come away with it thinking like, oh, wow, like I can do that too. Like, cause we see yeah. all these influencers and we're like, oh God, like they have all this stuff we don't have and that's why they're successful, but it's not true. Like they have this whole crazy backstory and like where they landed isn't it even where they wanted to be and they make the most of it and it helps other people be like, oh wait, I can write the book. I can make that video. I can have my own podcast. And so that's super cool. I love seeing that. Awesome. Lauren, thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Yeah. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to, to stay in touch with you. All right, it is time to chat with BJ Hickman, our resident therapist. And today we are going to be talking about a question that came up in the Selfie Podcast community on Facebook. Uh, That question is, how do I know if I have adult ADHD or ADD? Um, Someone had posted a kind of, you know, a day in the life and it resonated with a lot of people, but it involved procrastinating and avoidance. And I think everyone was now saying, do I have ADD? 
Um, but BJ, we were just talking a second ago, and it, I think we both have some concerns that these symptoms might actually be symptoms of pandemic brain fog. Yeah, I I think it's really important for us to to not forget that we're that we're we're a year in, mm-hmm. and quite honestly, I think the the year mark is is kind of having its impact on us a little bit anyway. Mm-hmm. And so what I have said from day from pretty early on in the pandemic is that the pandemic is, is like a spotlight. It's shining a light on things that we have ignored before that we could kind of power through. Mm-hmm. And as our emotional bandwidth began to narrow through the fatigue and exhaustion and stress and anxiety of this dragging on and on and on, we didn't have the tolerance for those things anymore. Mm -hmm. And I feel like this is kind of part of that too. These symptoms that maybe were there minimally before are probably feeling bigger and more overwhelming and harder to manage. Mm -hmm. Um, And so it's kind of hard to know if maybe – there is some ADD there mm-hmm. and you've been able to manage it because it was minimal or maybe it's not at all. And it's just a symptom of the pandemic, but either way it's, it's kind of like early on. I remember having a client come on and she was ready to get a divorce. <laughs> she has a really happy marriage. <laughs> and I said, yeah. no one's going to get a divorce in the, in the, we're not going to choose to end our marriage in the middle of a pandemic. Probably not Unless a wise there's extenuating circumstances yes, that are exactly. outside of the pandemic. That were, that the light, I mean, there have been some people that made that decision because they were on the verge of it and this mm-hmm. sent them over the edge. For that, sure. But if this is the first time you've ever mentioned it, it's probably pandemic related. And I think that's probably true with some of these symptoms that we might be having that are just wearing us down. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, let's look at the list of symptoms. So yeah. this is this is a checklist from an ADD website, short attention span. Well, I think we're all dealing with that because yes. our brains are short circuiting because we're thinking about safety and all of the stuff. Hyperactivity, that one, that one probably wouldn't be the pandemic brain fog. The hyperactivity Mm-mm. would probably be an indicator. Yeah. Impulsivity. Ah, that one could go either way. Fidgeting or restlessness. Again, we're all stuck at home. Mm-hmm. Um, disorganization and difficulty prioritizing tasks. Now, I know that I don't have ADD. And I also am super familiar with ADD because I live with three people that have it. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that all of us are dealing with a hard time prioritizing things right now, again, because of that sort of collective low-key trauma that we're living in. Talking about being able to keep a focus, for instance, I, I I, I can't even read an email without getting interrupted. Yeah. And then suddenly I'm on to the next thing and it's, it's four or five, ten tasks later before I realized I not only never finished the email, but I didn't respond to it. Totally. And I, I could do that before. Yeah. But it wasn't common. So. Yeah. 
I, I think probably the best thing for people to do who are wondering would be to pull, and maybe we could use a link to this, put a link to this in the show notes, for people to go through this list and really, as as we talk through these, just stop and think, was this an issue before? Mm-hmm. And if it was, maybe measure it on a scale of zero to 10. Yes. Where was it before? Mm-hmm. Where is it now? And to your and- point, on that scale of zero to 10, all of us are detracted, distracted Absolutely. sometimes. All of us are impulsive yes. sometimes. All of us are forgetful sometimes. Yes. Like having a symptom doesn't mean that you are ADD. Right. I mean, frequent mood swings alone. (laughs) (laughs) Check. It's in me over the top. (laughs) Problems following through and completing tasks. Hot temper. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, honestly, I can see trauma in every one of these things myself. I know. You know, and so I do think it's really crucial as we, as people talk about it, because this was a really hot topic that came up in the conversation on the the community group and so many people related to it. And, Mm -hmm. and I just think it's really important to just kind of break it down. If indeed you've got all of these things in a list and you're at a, a seven or above, and you feel like pre-pandemic, yes, it was measurable on that scale above maybe a three, then absolutely see a doctor mm-hmm. about that. Because we were just talking about how the, the pandemic's like a spotlight and it's just shining a light on things that pre-pandemic might have been kind of a, an irritation yeah, but now is a problem or began to be a problem. And now is actually maybe we're at the point of this is a deal breaker. I can't do this anymore. And so we have to kind of put it all into that perspective. But I do think it's really important because it, I think I do know it, it's so helpful to have a diagnosis, even if it's not a medical diagnosis. It always helps to be able to say mm-hmm. why. Why am I feeling this way? Why do I behave this way? Why is this happening? I I think I personally, that's always the question I first ask. I want to know why things are like the way they are, because I want to go to the root and deal with that so I can be done with it. And I do think it's just really important to recognize that there is an element of this that is going to be part of the pandemic. What you've got to be able to decipher is, is that the primary reason you're having these symptoms or is it exacerbating symptoms that were already there? You know, when we've had this topic come up, inevitably, three or four people will say, and these are people in their 30s and 40s, I was just diagnosed recently yeah. when my kid was diagnosed. Yes. I've had this my whole life. If that is coming up, that that's what you need to think about when you're reading these symptoms and you're not sure. Mm-hmm. Because it's not likely that it just suddenly came on. Do is there an adult onset? No, I don't, I don't believe think so. so. I've never heard of it. If no, there because is. this is a you know neurological disorder. Yeah. So you know, in the same way that we would not see an adult onset autism, mm-hmm. you know, this is a wiring exactly. thing. Yeah, yeah. So this is those symptoms would have been there. On some level, all of your life. Yes. And in your 20s, 30s, and 40s, you've likely had some kids around you diagnosed, Mm -hmm. even if you might not have thought 
you had that. My age group was an unheard of thing. My mm-hmm. kids were k- kids when I first heard of ADHD. And so, I, you know, a lot of people probably have lived with this their whole life and maybe their symptoms were mild. Yeah. And maybe they've gotten worse mm-hmm. as they've gotten older or maybe they've gotten worse because of the pandemic. But yeah. either way, I think going back to the before time and deciding what was there before mm-hmm. is probably that your starting point. Yeah. And you would have seen, you know, so, you know, as people are looking at themselves, like, historically, you you know, I think school is probably the place where this shakes out the very Mm -hmm. most. So looking back to your time in school, your time in middle and high, and if you were able to do college, like, were these things true in college or in high school for you? That to me would be a better measuring stick than are they true right now? Absolutely. And also, Consider your own traumas that you've experienced mm-hmm. growing up because those things are going to, th- these are all symptoms of trauma. Yes. I agree. And if you had certain times in your life where trauma was really present, maybe you started going to therapy in college and now you're bringing your traumas up and suddenly your symptoms of ADD got more strong or you had some traumas throughout your later years of, of, of childhood or into your teens or early adulthood. And it seemed to worsen these conditions Uh or these symptoms. Those are all things to take into consideration too. I think if you wanted to look at it really holistically, you've got to measure your trauma. You've got to remit, you've got to measure what was happening for you as a kid in school and in Uh other areas where focus was important. Yep. I agree. Then what you're experiencing now and factoring in where we are in the pandemic. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I'll use myself as an example, you know, after I survived the earthquake in Haiti, which I was diagnosed with PTSD for, I met the criteria for ADHD. I met uh, all I ticked all these boxes. I couldn't complete tasks. I was disorganized. I was in a brain fog. I, I ticked all the boxes. But I know that I don't have ADHD. And I can look back to high school and I look back to college, where I didn't have any of these issues. I could easily to pay attention in the classroom. I could easily multitask. You know, I, I had very good impulse control. Um, you know, so as, as you're saying, sometimes these symptoms are markers of something else going on. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, we will pop this, um, symptom checklist up in the selfie, uh, Facebook community and would love to just continue the conversation as we are all kind of trying to figure out where these symptoms are coming from in our lives. Hey, thank you for joining us. Continue the self-care conversation with us on Instagram at at selfiepodcast and in the Selfie Podcast community group on Facebook. You can also visit our website to check out the resources we've talked about in each episode at selfiepodcast.com. Make sure to subscribe to Selfie on iTunes so you can catch up with us next week. Take care. Take care.